Welcome back to the Life with Magic podcast, your one-stop shop for encouragement, affirmations, and guidance for self-development. My name is Magic Dyke, and I'm your host. My purpose here is to help you discover where your passions and purpose intertwine, and I do this by bringing in guests who are experts in their respective fields. Our intention is to inspire you to soar past the limitations that stand in between you and your ideal life. It's a great pleasure for me to introduce our guest for today, Dominique Mertenton, who is going to talk to us about the importance of children's rights on an international scale. Dominique is a chief child ambassador for Save the Children South Africa, the national speaker of the Nelson Mandela Children's Parliament, and the provincial deputy speaker of the Youth Parliament. Aside from the politics, debate, and public speaking, they do advocacy work centered on the upliftment of women and children. Welcome, Dominique. It's an honor to have you here. Good day to you all. Thank you, Magic, for having me. Um, as mentioned, my name is Dominique Martin. I'm currently 18 and my years of activity have really been between the years of 2017 and 2020. So I started working when I was 15. Um, it's also when I achieved most of my titles or accolades. I'm, wow, English. Um, <laughs> I work with an organization called Save the Children South Africa. We are a part of a global initiative that actually started in Britain, I believe. Our South African little bit was established in 1966. So we've had a good couple of years working in South Africa. Essentially, we're geared towards the upliftment and betterment of um, the developmental systems for children, um, ranging between the ages of zero to 18. However, we do do a lot of youth empowerment things that really work for people over the ages of 18, especially in the areas of unemployment or those who are still a part of the tertiary education institutions. For the most part, our work has a lot to do with politics and advocacy. We do a lot of law adjustments, law amendments, we work hand in hand with our government, um, both at a national, provincial and local level. I also work with my local municipality. Now, I mentioned to Magic before, I'm sure that a lot of the, our United States listeners don't really know much about provinces because you guys have states, but the Canadian listeners will understand. Essentially, a province equals states. And in South Africa, we have nine provinces. Save the Children South Africa works in five of the nine, and we are hoping to work in the remaining four within the next five years. Gosh, there's a lot. <laughs> well, we're listening because this is just amazing work. You said you started when you were 15 years old? Yes, ma'am. How did you get started with that? Like, what was the journey like? Well... Um, I was scouted in school, actually. Um, a teacher had listened to one of my speeches and thought that I was a good speaker. So when our program manager for Save the Children South Africa, the Durban branch, came looking for someone that might show a bit of initiative, um, I was suggested. So off we went to my first event, which happened to be our provincial parliament. Um, mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am? I was going to say, were you nervous? Absolutely. Like speaking of parliament. Yes, ma'am. And it was, it, we do this in our like official big buildings and stuff. I forgot the name. I'm so unprofessional. Gosh. Um, <laughs> I cannot tell you the amount of times I've been up like in front of these huge like ambassadors of so and so and so and so. And then I mess up like my constitution or whatever. And usually I have some witty joke to throw it off. But at the end, I'm like face palming so hard. But it is what it is. Hey. Um, I mean, you were doing great work because I don't, what was I doing at 15? Definitely not speaking in front of like parliament, definitely not doing any politics work. So like 
your face palm is like someone else's like super high achievement. So just, you know, kudos to you for doing the work that needs to be done. Oh, thank you so much. Um, well, right, right, right. I've just remembered where I was. Um, so very first event, provincial parliament. And um, we do everything in a very democratical sense. So everybody there was up for nomination and election. And I went up there and I stumbled through this horrible introduction where I think my self-deprecating humor peaked at least four times. And for some reason, people still thought I was a good candidate. So I was elected as my deputy speaker. And um, it went quite well. It went quite swell. Although I do think that I intimidated a lot of people, despite my 5'2 stature. Um, <laughs> it is what it is. Why do you think you intimidated people? The Scorpio vibes. I kid, I kid. Mm. Um <laughs> I don't think I have a very friendly face. I've got what the kids call a resting witch face. <laughs> but I've seen your face online and it is not like a resting witch face, as you put it. I feel like you have one of the most like softest like aura that I've seen like on my timeline. Oh my God. Thank you so much. But that's the thing. Like I've learned to adjust, you know, like. I'm really trying to make friends here and like nobody wants to talk to me. It's the saddest thing. Well, shame on them. Cause like the minute that I came across, like just for context, for everyone listening, I met Dominique uh, through Instagram as I meet most of my friends because <laughs> social anxiety, all my friends come from the internet and we connected. I think they followed me first and they responded to one of the posts that I made. And I was just like, oh my God, who is this person? Like, not only are they like powerful just by existing, but like I, I dug a little bit and saw the work that they did with children's rights. And I was like, wow, literally mind blown that someone who is doing such great work, you know, looks at me, the king of beards oh and titties, and they're like, I like this person. <laughs> so it's quite an honor to get to speak to you today, Dominique. Like, I think I already said it, but like, you are my idol. No, ma'am. You know, I'm actually so grateful to the universe that that's how you remember it. Because what really happened was I found a magnificent picture on my For You page. Well, gosh, it's not a For You page anymore. It's an Explore page. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, why am I so attracted to this? And I reposted it to my story, <laughs> mind you, tagged you in it. And I think I actually put the tag on your tits. So <laughs> I'm so grateful you remember it like that. When in reality, I was blatantly thirsting over you. But it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> I think that's the beauty of the internet. It's just people meet in the most interesting ways. And then from there, it's like these lifelong connections are made. So like one day in my La La Land, I'm like, I'm going to go to South Africa. And I'm going to get to see you speak at like, a national children's convention and I'm going to get to like support you in real life. And it's going to be amazing. I hope so. I'd love to come to the States. I've actually, I had the opportunity to come for something, but unfortunately like South Africa was just not included at all. I was quite upset. It was, um, what was it? Um, some international girl thingy thingy. And we were <laughs> supposed to meet in, where is it? Something with a C. Look, 
for the for like someone who's not from the United States, you guys have a lot of states, and it is so difficult to remember <laughs> half of them. I think the only few that I do remember are the ones that I can liken to the provinces here. For example, Florida. Florida, I liken to Durban only because it's like sunny and there's beaches, and I assume that everyone goes there to retire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're correct in that assumption. Oh wow! So if I were to go to Florida, I'd just see a bunch of old people. Basically, depending on what part of Florida you go, because there's like South Beach, which is like the crazy, like not even crazy. I don't like using that word. The party town where it's people are, you know, they go there to party, the college kids. And then you have like, I think Orlando and like all the other places that are like for retirement. So it's like lots of nursing homes and like rich people, you know, living their best 65 year old life. You know, I don't know what they do, but I assume it's great. I was going to say must feel like home until I heard the rich people thing. And I'm like, oh, can't relate. <laughs> you know, I've always thought that old people were just like, wow. And then I remember that they were young as well. And they were teenagers and they did the stupid things that we do. Thinking that mm-hmm. we're all so special, like main character things. Right. So wh- where do you see yourself? Like, Because you said you're 18 years old now. Where do you see yourself like 20, 30 years from now? Hopefully married to a lovely woman with my four adopted kids um, sitting somewhere very, very far away from the rest of civilization and sipping on mimosas. But I suppose that's wishful thinking. (laughs) That sounds very attainable. That's not that it's not such a wild dream. Like, I think that's possible. Mm. um professionally though I think that in it like 20 to 30 years um okay let's start with the immediate plans they'll give a bit more insight um I'm hoping to study psychology so I will get my bachelor's of arts in psychology and law thereafter I want to enlist hopefully I can finish my degree before the age of 21 and then enlist into our army. I think I might study a little bit more there, go into intelligence, and eventually buy out my contract when I am some rich old like schmoozer. I'd want to buy out something like some really big plot of like land and build a school because South Africa, unfortunately, with our very very advanced um, what is this thing called constitution? There we go. The enforcement thereof is not exactly the greatest. So on paper, we look lovely. We look like the most progressive country you can see. But quite obviously, the problems of the leadership have really affected the way that we can really pull that off effectively. And it really, really falls on the people who really worked and have that kind of empathy and like humility to do much. I think we rely a lot on humanitarian work for progression our government is like child anyways um Mm. but i shouldn't speak about bad government when the united states is looking the way that it is how do you guys feel about that goodness gracious the united states government as of right now like october 2020 as we head towards our elections it is as wild as one can like imagine because not only are we fighting within ourselves as far as like the citizens there's a lot of division among different groups of people like we have the white supremacists who are now more empowered and emboldened 
probably as the same as they were back in like the days of like Martin Luther King and the civil rights, civil rights movement. And it's like in my lifetime, I'm 26 years old. It's like in my lifetime, I really haven't seen anything like this. And it's, it's, it's just surreal to know that like, as we head towards the elections, there's like all this like build up on like things can go south really, really quickly. If Trump wins, things are going to go south. If Biden wins, things are going to go south. And it's like, we're just kind of hanging on to whatever hope or visions that we have of a future that's not as chaotic as what's happening right now. Cause like we're living through a pandemic, we're living through a presidency and administration that's been doing everything in their power to strip our rights. Like as LGBTQ plus people, as black folks, as you know, most, most of my listeners are like queer black folks so it's like we all know the reality of having our rights just stripped from us and it's like that powerlessness that you feel is just there are no words to describe it but I can't even you know I can't even imagine how the outside looks at us because I feel like y'all see us on tv and it's just like wow this is really happening like this is not a reality tv show this is America just burning we are one big dumpster fire heading towards a cliff with like piranhas at the bottom. So it's like, it's, it, it's just, it is what it is. Like you said, it is what it is. We just do our part to participate in politics as much as we can handle and protest and advocate for human rights. And I think something that I learned as I was looking you up was like, I'm very ignorant when it comes to children's rights. I'm very, you know, there's lot there's a lot of information that I did not know until as of yesterday. Can you tell us a bit what you know child advocacy looks like in South Africa and beyond because I know you do international work. Mm-hmm. All right. So essentially in our constitution we've got a specific chapter that is specifically for children because I'm not sure how many people do know this but it's something worth knowing. Um South Africa has the worst Ah, the highest, mind you, statistics of gender-based violence and femicide. In fact, it was proclaimed a crisis in 2019, especially recently. Um, So our rioting has been going crazy. We've had so many new cases in the last couple of months. It's, It's been really hectic. And when women are attacked, children automatically are attacked because the men here are absolutely, wow, big wow. So essentially, South Africa is just the worst place to be a woman, to be a child, to be a person of color, to be queer, to be pretty much everything that I am right now, which is why it makes my work so important to me. When we speak of child rights, it's really just working on enforcing the laws that are already there, but not being put into practice, as I mentioned. Um, The biggest thing right now is the education system. I think despite our good couple of years out, 24 years of democracy, we're still stuck with what is called the Bantu system, which was the education system available to Black folk and people of color during our apartheid era. A lot of our schools have not yet progressed that far out of it. Um, There's still huge divisions and inequalities between, say, our public schools and our private schools, which has absolutely nothing to do with funding and more to do with the content given to us. Um, There's a good couple of schools in South Africa. In fact, 
plentiful that are still just like storytelling under a tree, which is insane when you think about the times that we're living in. And then we take it a step further and we go into our foundation phases. So that's our crushes, our great R to three. It's your foundation phase, education. Um, it's sorely lacking in South Africa, which has led to really high um, illiteracy rates. A lot of kids are struggling to read and speak, read and write by the time they hit like grade five, which I think is year five in America. Gosh, the translation is hectic. Mm. Aside from the education system, it's what happens afterwards. Our tertiary education is not looking any better either. There's been a lot of rioting in the past couple of years for um, the dropping of tuition fees and so on and so forth due to our right to free education. Um, however, violent protesting is something that's really hit new levels in South Africa, especially in the, least, the last few years where libraries have been burnt down, schools have been burnt down and so on. So we're really crossing into some dangerous territory that looks like it may be quite counterproductive. Um, mm. But right now we're just trying to focus on keeping the kids alive and well-fed and educated so that the future looks a little bit brighter. That is something that, you know, I hold very near and dear to my heart that like the generations that are coming up see the different things that are not working for us as far as politics, societal, like economic. And like you said, the future, the future is looking brighter. So like what gives you hope? The people that I work with. Um, I work with a lot of kids my age and younger. And when you work with kids the way that kids are meant to be worked with, when you have patience and kindness and humility in your eyes, they see that and they just they bloom under your care. When you show kids that there's a safe space open and that they, they can really, really come to life in it, they do, and it's one of the most beautiful things, magic. I've really it's it's something that you're blessed to see in your lifetime especially because of the way that things look right now um mm. specifically for those who are neurodivergent um children that are disabled or living with disability although we don't really encourage that phrasing don't get a lot mm. of attention in South Africa our care for people with disabilities is substandard to put it lightly, especially with children and especially, especially with those with learning disabilities. Um, a part of my, well, the organization I work with program is to teach people how to work with these neurodivergent children. So those, these are people with, um, for example, autism or ADHD or ADD and so on, who need that little bit of extra love and patience, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, more than that, the most heartbreaking bit is that a lot of these kids have come have become victim to more than just societal abuse and working with kids who have special needs and like kind of playing the trauma field is a little bit difficult I have to say um not just in theory but watching it as someone who's kind of been through like a you know I'm getting a bit teary, so my words are coming up a little bit messed up, but um, yeah. That's okay. I'm here to hold space. Um, 
what was the question? <laughs> it's okay. We'll just take a moment to kind of, you know, recenter ourselves because I don't want you to explore topics that are triggering or are, you know, traumatic for you. Because when it comes to children's rights, like I grew up in Nairobi, Kenya. Like, I don't know if by technicality or whatever, it's a third world third world country because I don't know what the definition of that is now but it's like I grew up living in Nairobi Kenya I come from poverty I've seen a lot of things that most children you know hadn't seen but like it's very common for children growing up in Africa to not know what their rights are Mm -hmm. and I'm looking at the current um like the United Nations United Nations uh definition of children's rights And this is from 1989. It says, in 1989, the United Nations held the historic Convention on the Rights of the Child. It was a chance for the world to agree on the way all children should be treated. Out of this convention came a pivotal idea that is both simple and profound. All children in all countries have the same fundamental rights. From the wealthiest to the poorest, these rights do not change, including the right to proper nutrition, education, health care, safety, and more. So like this is the list that they have. It's all children have the right to live with the family, right mm-hmm. to health care and nutrition, mm-hmm. right to a quality education, right mm-hmm. to guidance from a caring adult, right to be prepared for active citizenship, right to live in dignity and freedom, right to a stable, loving and nurturing environment, right to clean water and electric power, right to equal opportunities right to participate in decisions that affect them, right to be protected from abuse and neglect, right to spiritual development. Like I can (laughs) proud, not even proudly, I can say with confidence that some of these rights were violated in my upbringing. You Mm -hmm. know, a lot of these rights actually were violated in my upbringing. And I think the same way that you're saying as we're looking across the spectrum of children who are, you know, who need more advocacy, children who are disabled, children who are living in conditions that don't allow them to advocate for themselves. Like this is, it's a tough subject to explore, you know, and it's, it, it, it kind of eats away at you when you're actively doing the work, like you are on the grounds, like you personally are on the ground. So you see a lot of things that might leave you feeling, you know, really drained just because of the work that you do. Like a lot of social workers that I know, a lot of people who are actively working in like human rights and stuff like that. It's like y'all come across a lot of different things and a lot of different circumstances that just make you like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like it just, you see a lot of things. So how do you take care of yourself as you do the work that you do? Hmm. Well, like you mentioned, um, coming from some coming from a place of relation beyond just our human basis, I had a bit of a traumatic childhood as well. Um, it's not something that I speak about often in conversation, but it is something that I do bring up a lot in my advocacy work, simply because when children feel that you can understand what they're going through, they really, really come forward and they they just they speak with such confidence because they know, you know what they feel, you know the pain that they feel. I don't know, it gives them some sense of empowerment. 
carrying that makes you feel so much better every day, knowing that you're the reason that someone found the strength to say what they needed to say to make sure that their rights were being held. And funnily enough, as you were going through the list of children's rights, I can confidently say that every child in South Africa, it's a privilege to have those rights upheld. And more specifically in South Africa, because of our problems with resource development and just the government in general, I can tell you, the government looks really great on paper. Um, During our COVID, they were giving out food parcels and going about making sure everyone had water and electricity. But um, one of my team members and I went down to their delivery centers and the tasks and the parcels that they were giving out were just not at all what they were supposed or assigned to give out. So unfortunately, South Africa suffers with a lot of embezzlement and corruption in like the governmental areas, not just on the top. However, I will mention, honorable mention, 1.6, what? 1.65 billion rand went missing quite recently. Um, we're all asking a lot of questions about that, but that just really goes to show how competent our government is. And it's really, really affecting a lot of sectors of government. Um, Ah, but let's get back to the point. I do tend to waver a lot. Um, Taking care of myself. I have to be honest, today was not a good day with regards to self-care, but I was, I really needed to have this conversation with you. I couldn't put it off again. Um, It gets difficult. It really does when you're working with people who come across as so, I don't like the word broken, but so touched by Mm. the world and struggle. It, it really, it's just a lot. It's really heavy. And as someone who is so in tune with their spiritual self and energy and all of that, especially someone who's an empath like myself, it becomes really draining. And it's important to sometimes just take a minute for yourself, separate yourself from the situation and just ground yourself. I think grounding is a really important bit. And just taking the time that you need. I think it's really important to understand that you're human at the end of the day. But yeah. I'm sorry to hear that today was not an easy day for you. And I'm grateful that you prioritized, you know, speaking with me because I know we've been planning this for like a few days and it's like mm-hmm. I just want you to know that I really really appreciate you being here today and being able to speak with me even as you're navigating a hard day and if there's anything I can do to make your day better you already know I'm just one dm away so after this we'll have a little chat and we'll kind of figure out ways that you can ground yourself or some somehow some way however I can show up for you you just let me know and we're gonna make this a better day what time is it in South Africa right now uh thank you magic it is currently 6 49 p.m what time is it okay. in the States? Uh, right now it is 12.49 p.m. Oh, it's still early there. Yeah. Have you eaten today? I have, actually. My best friend decided mm-hmm. that today we were going to splurge. We're horrible with cash, especially around each other. Um, <laughs> I think I mentioned to you, we got new piercings today. So I have like one earphone in because I got a date on the other and I can't fit a piercing in. Um, it's been a day. It's been a day. I'm all right. Mm-hmm. Have you eaten for today? How'd you rest? You said, have I eaten? Yes, ma'am. 
I have not eaten. I'm not proud to say that. <laughs> I've had coffee though. And I took my medication first thing in the morning. So it's like my little wins are like, you know, I'm going to eat after this though. I promise. Okay. I'm going to keep you to that promise. I will DM you like 15 minutes after this and make sure that you're on your way to it. <laughs> and I will do the same before you go to sleep. I'm going to make sure that you did something for yourself. There we go. We're going to have accountability. Yes, ma'am. It's actually taking off of Uh that accountability in children's rights. So in the organization that I work for, we have something called the Accountability Corner, which is basically where we meet with our CEO and we reflect on the year year of activity or say the last couple Mm -hmm. of months of work. And we make suggestions about what needs to change, where we lack what needed more work or what we could change with regards to our teaching manners. And I think the topic of accountability is really important, not just for the people who we hold in charge or responsible for the work, but for ourselves as well. Um, Unfortunately, in the days that we work, it's become way too easy to see someone face something and just say, well, everyone's facing their demons. I think it takes a lot for someone going through something to reach out to someone else that they see suffering. But it is a necessary thing. Um, Not to say that you shouldn't leave yourself the space to heal, but if you see that you can fit it into, you know, help someone with their burdens for the day, I think it's a really important thing to do, especially when you work with children. Mm. Kids don't know when to come and ask for help. They don't know what's okay. When they're feeling sad, they don't think, oh, I'm having a bad day. What if I go talk to auntie this about that or that friend that I made there? So when you see a kid that's just not looking good, it's it's the easiest thing to go and ask them, hey, you know, what's wrong? Because kids don't lie, fortunately. Mm. They're not like us who put up these walls and these facades of being okay and being happy because that's how we need to survive. Kids are very, very honest when you know how to approach them. And I think that's really important for anyone, to be quite honest. That is very true. Like, outside of drag, I work with children with autism. So it's like, I'm very familiar with the fact that, like, you know, kids are very honest. As long as you take the time to get down to their level, like, listen to them empathetically and allow yourself to just take off the the I guess the goggles of like adulthood you know you have to in order to fully understand what the child is trying to say because some of my kids are nonverbal, so it's like I have to use the tools that I have and the skills that I have to grasp what they're saying and meet their needs you know because if you are in tune with yourself and you are aware of your emotions it's very easy to understand other people But it takes quite some time to get to that level of like understanding and accountability, like making sure that you check in with yourself, number one, as you do the work that you do, Mm -hmm. and also making sure that you check in with the people that you work with. Like, thankfully, like our group, like the company that I work with, we have like a group chat. So we just get to share the, the good and the bad and like in our work. So it's like when someone needs help, they can reach out to us in the group chat, even though we can't meet in person because of COVID. It's like, we are finding new ways to support one another and then support the kids that we work with. One of my babies is two years old and she is an absolute delight. Like she's the reason I wake up in the morning. And another one of my babies is 15 years old. So it's like, I have kids on both ends of like the age spectrum 
Mm -hmm. it's like I've worked with adults with autism. I've worked with people with developmental disabilities all across the, you know, spectrum as far as like low functioning, high functioning and the different language vocabulary that they use to describe the abilities of the children and the senior citizens and stuff like that. So it's like everything you're saying resonates, you know, checking in with Mm -hmm. yourself, checking on your coworkers when you have the space to, and then checking on the people that you take care of. Right, right, right. Yeah. All right. Next question for you. Who is your biggest source of inspiration? Mm, That's a difficult one. I'm trying to remove the flattery element so I won't say, oh, you know, wonderful human being magic like but um um I'd have to say and I know it's really cliche but it's my mom my mother Mm -hmm. is a single woman a single mom of two um she is a woman of color who never really finished high school so she's really really had it tough um very little parental support but she's really really made it work and she's done a, a brilliant job um not to toot my own horn of course um I think the greatest thing that my mom could really pass down to me or teach me was compassion I find that too many people are lacking with regards to empathy and compassion she's just she's such a warm woman magic she's like entering her space is like receiving this huge hug I just she's amazing man oh that makes me feel all warm. I'm like, I want to receive a hug from mama. Like, <laughs> that is amazing. So, like, you know, to go off the subject of your mom, how does your family feel about the work that you do? A lot of my family don't really know about the work that I do. Um, we don't really keep in contact with most of our family because of my, I wouldn't call it status, but my identification as a queer person. Um mm. But the family that I do live with and do interact with are so, so proud. And that's really the driving force, you know, knowing that the people who matter the most to support the work that you do is it really pushes. And I'm sure that's something that you can relate to. Your partner is such a... Oh, I just want to grab him by the cheeks. <laughs> I like... I think I regularly stalk you guys. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, we do put our whole life on the internet, so... This is true. This is true. Okay, I feel a bit it's better. Like it's not I, stalking. I'm so glad because I thought I was giving off like you, like Joe Goldberg vibes, but now I feel better. No, don't feel bad about it. Like we literally put our life on display and we live a very transparent slash vulnerable life because it's like, how often do we get to experience just unapologetic queer joy you know especially Mm -hmm. now with the the different things that are going on around the world it's like one of our missions is to just share as much joy as we can and on the days that we don't have joy we look to other content creators for like a slice of their happiness Mm -hmm. now see that's that's really important i know that representation is a huge thing especially in the queer community but Seeing that specifically, I can tell you that every single day when I feel a little bit trumped at the idea of being with someone that I genuinely love and, you know, just being in love transparently, going out in public and doing I love you things is sometimes really, really daunting, especially Mm -hmm. in South Africa where it's not really 
I wouldn't say not a common thing, but it's still quite frowned upon. You still feel a little funny if someone says something a bit too loud. Um, mm. Seeing your relationship, so I love the way you put it, so transparently is really, really uplifting. It gives you that little bit of strength that you need every day. And I want to thank you guys for that. Like, it's really, really, really wow. <sighs> My heart cannot handle this. <laughs> like, it's just, sometimes I love the internet. Sometimes I hate the internet. But, like, I'm very grateful for the different ways that we're able to connect with people that we haven't physically met. But we've, we you know, we know each other to, you know, some extent. Like, we know each other. So it's like, it's just, you know something that I often just sit and think about the different ways that especially in COVID where everything's like virtual it's just amazing the different ways that we can use social media to carve out slices of hope and joy and just mm-hmm. power so what what is the what is life like in South Africa for queer folks because I don't I don't recall and correct me if I'm wrong I think South Africa is one of the only countries in africa that has decriminalized homosexuality indeed so um well fortunately our community is growing brighter and stronger by the day um we unfortunately didn't have pride this year which is i think our biggest event that is the one time you can be unapologetically queer i think queer mention um last pride was my very first pride and Someone came quite literally dressed in rainbow straps, um, bands, and that was just mm-hmm. it. That was it. That was it. And it was, <laughs> it was like the queerest thing I had ever in my life seen, and it made the day for me. Um, it's still a little bit scary. I'll give you that. I remember I was walking with one of my girlfriends to the store and despite being really tiny, I'm very, very protective. And someone was just ogling her a little bit funny and he asked for a number and I said, you know, that's my girlfriend. Um, please don't talk to her like that. And it became such a hostile thing so quickly where he's like, oh no, kiss her, prove it, kiss her. And this was a grown man, mind you. I think we were 16 at the time. And it just is like that. I think queer relationships are still so hypersexualized and fetishized here. Did I say that right? Bloody hell, English. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still quite scary to be queer. Um, a lot of my closest friends are um, bi or gay or lesbian or wherever you fit on the spectrum of queer and we all have our very, very unsettling, unsavory experiences. And unfortunately, that's an everyday reality. But um, we are very, very fortunate in that it is a thing here to be queer and to be openly queer, despite the dangers that we'll admittedly have to face for a good couple of years before things change. But it's better here. None of us are being gunned down. Um, and speaking about that, as a queer a black identifying human being how are you feeling about the situation in america right now oh man i like how you're flipping the questions onto me because now i'm like oh now i gotta think <laughs> <laughs> but it's 
it's just very scary, to be quite honest. I feel like there's never been a moment in history, in history where I have not held fear, like, systematically in my body. And, like, it's just this administration has just amplified those fears. Because, like, in the past, I was still scared for my life. But it felt like, you know, there were people in power who were trying their best to, you know, pass laws that protected us you know passing equality rights and things like that so it's like I had some sliver of hope but it's like now that with this current administration they're actively taking away like trans rights they're actively making it easier for people in healthcare to discriminate against us and it's like basically our president is like inciting violence Mm -hmm. and it's just it feels like tensions are just really 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 high and like I know that living in fear is something that I'm actively trying to avoid because it's like that just makes me feel powerless you know I have to find different ways to stand in my power in order to show up as unapologetically as I do you know like my life is very very transparent like all my shit is on the internet like I'm Mm -hmm. the king of beards and titties I don't hold back from showing that like hey I'm black as fuck I'm queer as fuck I'm very pro-ho pro-choice (laughs) pro-sex work like I stand for so many different things that like give me power to be myself so it's like holding Mm -hmm. that reality of like yep there's a lot of things to fear and there's also a lot of things to empower me and to uplift me so in short that is basically what it feels like to be a black you know queer just pro-sex work individual in america Mm -hmm. thank you for that question thank you for reflecting such powerful questions to me You mentioned that some things were good and some were bad. So of the good bag, um, I read somewhere Mm. that the Pope has recently voted for homosexuality and shown open support. How do you feel about that? Okay, so now this is not your podcast and I'm I'm just going to answer all your questions (laughs) because you're doing a great job at just flipping the table here. Um, You said the Pope. Uh, advocating for homosexuality or was that the question Mm -hmm. okay so I saw something along those lines like I saw the title of like an article as I was like browsing the news and actively trying to avoid the news that it was like Pope now comes out to say that the Catholic uh, church is be you know stands behind homosexuality like to me I think that's amazing to see someone take a stance like that in such a place of power. And obviously a lot of religious institutions actively work towards like discriminating against like homosexuality and things like that. Even though the Bible does not explicitly say homosexuality, this is just, you know, after many translations of it, it it is what it is now, but it's, it's a great thing to see someone in power using that power to just say that like, Hey, I stand behind this. Because I think there was some point where the Pope was advocating or speaking on um, condom use. And that was like the big like, whoa, the Pope is talking about like contraceptions and safe sex. It's like, we're not supposed to be having sex unless you're trying to make a baby, you know. (laughs) So it's like, I think a lot of people in different levels of, you know, power and just existence are doing the work to unlearn. And to not only unlearn, but to use their privileges to help change the future into a more accepting, more loving, more tolerant 
you know, environment. So it's like, I support the Pope, which is something I never thought I'd say. But <laughs> if the Pope is doing good, I'm all for it. I'm still not going to go to church because I feel like I would burn up in flames as soon as I step foot mm-hmm. in a church. <laughs> but what's your belief system like? What's your spirituality like? Um, I think for the last couple of years, I've been very anti-church because the church mm-hmm. has been very anti-me. Um, I'm more of a spiritual person, um, you know, energy and all that. Ah, I love how mm-hmm. I say all that. Like, I don't think that you could relate strongly to that. Um, <laughs> you know, when you speak to someone about it, they always think that you're those like weird, like flowy people. Like, I think they pictured like the seventies hippies when you tell them that you mm-hmm. believe in spirituality and energy and free love and all of that business. But um, yeah, I'm not very organized religion on this side. Makes sense. Like I consider myself agnostic, which my understanding of it is that I believe that there is truth in all religions, Mm -hmm. but I don't subscribe to just one form of it simply because it's like, you know, we're all singing the same song, but in different languages is what I feel like. I feel like culturally... And just the many differences that exist within religion, there's also just as many similarities. And a lot of the stories that have been like passed down from like years and years and years ago, it's like they have the same type of structure. They're all preaching the same types of things, but there are differences where I'm like, "Mm, I don't want to get baptized. Don't dunk me in water as a baby. It's like, I don't know what's happening. Like, you know, things like that, where I'm like organized religion as far as like it's participation in just a lot a lot of horrible things over time where I'm like no no thanks you know I'm gonna let you do you as long as you doing you does not include you causing harm to other people Mm -hmm. and spirituality is just a beautiful thing you know I do believe in energy I do believe in the power of like manifestation the power of just us seeing a reflection you know us being the reflection of the creator or the universe or whatever language you use to describe, you know, your beliefs. Mm-hmm. So I get what you mean when you say spirituality is, you know, energy and all that. <laughs> There's a lot, you know, but what's a belief that you hold that many people disagree with? Mm-hmm. I think here we're going to see the differences between the States and South Africa again. I am pro-abortion and pro-sex work. It is something that I've had physical altercations about, both in my schooling environment and outside. Um, I've reached a point where I sat and screamed in the faces of like 27 other learners, screaming back at me about the Bible and Mm. Ephesians this and Genesis that and all of this business. And I'm like, okay, cool. But the same Bible gives you guidelines on how to sell your daughter into slavery and um how to kill a man for working on the sabbath so i'm not sure i want to listen to that but um have fun it's Mm. all right do you (laughs) man oh man when it comes to the bible i feel like people actively choose what to follow and what to like Mm -hmm. completely ignore it's like I was like, oh, so how many wives do you have? And which one of your firstborns are you going to sacrifice? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. they're like, well, that doesn't count anymore. It's like, oh, so that doesn't count. 
But this exactly. other thing counts, right? Because you say it counts. It's like, make it make sense. No, I hate selective mm-hmm. piety. It's, I feel like, okay, I'm going to say something that should not be taken out of context. I think that to mm-hmm. some degree, I have some respect for extremists because when they say something and it fits into some set guidelines, a book or whatever, they follow it to the T. I can respect that. However, I cannot respect hypocrites. If you're going to tell me that I can't live this lifestyle, then I expect you to follow the same text that you took it from to the T. I just, Mm. I don't know. I feel like, as you mentioned earlier, I have nothing against religion specifically. I think my issue lies with the fact that Christians are the people who need to be educated about Christianity the most. Um, I hate that within the Christian I don't want to call it a dogma, but the branch, our subcategories mm-hmm. are so in conflict, I guess. I hate that one church will say, no, we do this and that's okay. But see, they're doing something different and that's wrong. And they're going to hell for that. When you literally believe in the same book, the same God, the same system. Like I've just, I've never understood what gave certain people the power to damn people to hell. It's just Mm. something so strange for me. Sometimes I'd be like, if I'm going to hell, then I'm going to see you there because you are violating a whole lot of, you know, scriptures right now Mm -hmm. by casting the first stone, pointing the finger and, you know, throwing vile words at me, wishing death upon me, things like that, where I'm like, bruh, if you truly think that I'm going to burn in all of eternity, you're going to have a seat right next to me because you Mm -hmm. are not, you know, you're not holy yourself. But they're just like, no, I'm doing the work of God. You know, it's like, well, you're doing somebody's work, but it ain't God. Because the God that I believe in would be like, mm, you crazy. Bitch, you finna burn just along with all the gays and whoever else you think is going to burn. Because, you know, you were doing the work of being the the judger. Where it's like, doesn't it say not to judge people? Mm-hmm. Doesn't it say to love your brothers and sisters? I'm like, doesn't it say to not do all the things that you're doing right now but i digress you know what do i know i'm just a a stripper hoe who (laughs) doesn't go to church and likes to shake their titties on the internet things like that so they don't listen to me oh no at least if we're going to help then we'll have a show if i'm gonna see you there performance every day i swear we will not (laughs) go on board we're gonna there's gonna be a stripper pole in hell like this is gonna be the most literally lit place (laughs) ever (laughs) we're gonna be partying for the rest of eternity it's like like watch these flames like this this is part of my act you know like Mm -hmm. hell is gonna be fun so i wouldn't be surprised if the lord jesus popped up and hit a number on the stripper pole because well if this is his words man he's gonna end up just there with us hey Front oh, my <laughs> oh my goodness i hope that there are no christians listening to this because you know they're gonna be mad but whatever like you said we are pro-abortion pro-choice pro-sex work pro everything black so if you're mad at us then that's fine you can be mad. thanks for listening <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any last words to the people that are listening I hope you didn't hear that sneeze in the background. Did you by any chance? Mm-mm, I didn't hear nothing. Okay, cute. 
Well, last words. So when we say last words, like end of the podcast, are you going to appear behind me with a sniper? Because I'm down for anything. <laughs> At the end of the podcast, like to the people who have so gracious, you know, graciously sat and listened to us talk about everything from children's rights to stripper pole Jesus to whatever uh, else we talked about. <laughs> You know, what is it that you want them to like leave here knowing? I'm hoping that when I speak, I speak to a very open-minded listener when I say that when you decide to take a stance against the flow of time and history, it's really important to understand that nobody's names are going to be remembered. However, the books are always only written by the people who are at ruling at the time so really it's it's not important history is irrelevant because when it comes down to it especially as black folk everything that we learn we learn through storytelling and being the main character in someone else's story or just the little buddy that comes and shares the message is something so so pivotal when you really look at it in context I think it's really really important to understand that you've got such a big influence on people's lives and it's not even the big things that you do. It's the tiny little things like reaching out to someone and asking, hey, um, are you okay? Can I help you with this? Do you, do you want this space to say something like X, Y, and Z? And essentially, to put it in a, in a nutshell, I think that in these times, being human and showing humaneness is really really important I think it's very important to embrace your compassion and empathy and just kind of be the best you that you would want someone else to be with you if that makes sense Mm -mm -mm. I feel like standing up and just like giving you a round of applause like that was so well put just so beautiful so touching like I feel like I'm gonna listen to this podcast over and over and over and over again because Not only did we explore things that some people might not, you know, be aware or cognizant of, it's like, you just got to, you know, to show us that like, nothing is impossible. You're not too young or too old to make a difference. As long as you stand for something, it's like stand proudly and keep fighting the good fight. Because just as much as there are people actively working to deny us of our rights, there are also people actively working to empower us and to give us more rights and to give us education on what our rights are and how to become self-advocates. So thank you so much, Dominique. It was an honor and a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me, Magic. (sighs) This is one for the books. I got to speak with (laughs) my icon. We, We even managed to bring Stripper Jesus into this conversation. That was very lovely. Thank you so much for having me. We've unfortunately come to the end of our podcast. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Life with Magic. So much love and gratitude to Dominique for sharing their life experiences and for enlightening us on how to better advocate for some of the most vulnerable groups of people in our societies. My guest for next week is a world-renowned psychotherapist, porn star, sex educator, entrepreneur, and master fetish trainer, Jet Set and Jasmine. 
you do not want to miss this conversation. So make sure you subscribe so you can get those alerts when the brand new episodes drop. Until next time, stay magical.